We are in a series called What We Believe, and uh, uh, today we're talking about what we believe about rescue. We've looked at what we believe about God, what we believe about humanity, what we believe about the Bible or about Scripture. Today we're talking about what we believe about rescue. Uh, Rescue uh, may be, uh, I don't know how it communicates. I, I like the idea of rescue. I love the picture of rescue. Uh, when I'm in need, uh, if, if, uh, if I were to get in this kayak and I go down to the ocean front and, and, uh, and, and launch out and get beyond that first set of waves and the second set of waves and just paddle, 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 get beyond uh, uh, the sight of, the, of, of land, uh, of, the, uh, of the coast and, and lose sight of, of the, the bridges and the tunnels and lose sight of of everything there is around me. I'm just out there caught by the current, drifting on the, uh, on the waves, and I am having a grand old time. I don't know where I am really, don't know how far away from land I am really, but I'm a long way away. And I'm having a great time until my boat, my kayak, springs a leak. The kayak springs a leak, and all of a sudden, everything begins to change. The the kayak begins to sink, and, and in my mind, I'm asking myself, I wonder what's for supper. <laughs> oh, probably not. I'm sitting there, and I see the, the water begin to fill up, and I, I feel the, 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 the kayak begin to tip, and, and, and I know that it's about to go under. And at that moment, as I hear the gurgling, gurgling of my kayak, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if I ought to get an iPhone 6 or a 6 Plus. Probably not. As the kayak has gone all the way under and I'm there all by myself, all by my lonesome, and I begin to tread water, and I begin to kick and my arms begin to flail, and I tread water and tread water and tread water until the, the acid builds up in my muscles in my arms and my legs, and, and, and I can't hardly move them anymore, and, and my chin goes under water, and I feel water. That salt water began to go up my nose a little bit, and I, I get a boost of energy, and I begin to kick and flail a little bit more, and I push myself up one more time, um, but pretty soon my arms and legs give out again, and I'm going down. I'm going out. I'm drowning, and in that moment, I know what it means to be rescued. Everything in me is crying out for rescue. See, rescue means something when it's a life and death situation. In in life and death moments, rescue, that's life to us. Now, as we look today at what we believe about rescue, we're going to look at a story that Jesus told. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, begin verse 11. As Jesus told this story about rescue, he was talking about the heart of God for that person who's going under. That person who is drowning. He's talking about that person who needs to be rescued. In many ways, he's talking about us today. He's talking about the heart of God for you and me. 
See, the big picture of what we believe as a church, as followers of Christ, what, what do we believe about rescue? The big picture is that God offers rescue to the broken. God offers rescue to the broken. That's the big picture idea. The big idea from Genesis 1 to Revelation, uh, from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the, 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 the story of God and his interaction with his creation, you and me, is all about him offering rescue to the broken. Now, when I use the term broken, um, I'm talking about... Uh, the person drowning. I'm talking about the person whose limbs won't work anymore, the person who's going down for the last count. I'm, I'm talking about the broken. I could use a synonym. I could use the term lost. I, I could use that term. And, and you might say, well, lost is a church term. Well, no, it's not. Not if you're in the Smoky, Mountain, uh, Smoky Mountains and you get off course and and you get off the path, and you go down into a valley, and the sun sets, and it's dark, and there are no lights anywhere, and you hear rustling of leaves and, and, and howling of coyotes, and uh, you're like, uh, have you seen the movie, the, the television reality show on, uh, on uh, uh, the Weather Channel, uh, Fat Guys in the Woods? <laughs> I kid you not. It's on there. One of my favorite shows now. Watch it, uh, watch it yesterday, Fat Guys in the Woods. Uh, but they're out there. They're in the Smoky Mountains. They're, they're, if you, I'm not kidding. It's there. Anyway, you, if you're there and you don't have anybody else around you, you're just there. And you don't have a compass. You don't, have a, uh, a, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where you are. You're lost. Rescue means something when you're lost like that. I could use the term lost. I, I could use the term that is really big time church term. Sinner. Sinner. S-I-N-N-E-R. Sinner. And, and I understand that maybe not everybody in this room, maybe not everybody gets the whole idea of sin and sinning and sinner. But think of it this way. A sinner is someone who does something they're not supposed to do. Just keep it at the base level. It's when you do something you're not supposed to do. Now, it assumes that you believe that there is a, a right and a wrong. A sinner is somebody who does the wrong instead of the right. Now, when you come to, to this church, and as you're gathered here with us, we, we, we add to that a little bit. We, we believe that a sin is when you do that which is wrong instead of that which is right. But we, we kind of add to it by saying, well, we sin against God. Because God requires not sin, and we sin. And when, when we do anything that God tells us not to do or don't do something that God tells us to do, we call that sin. And here's the deal about sin. Sin is what makes us broken, and sin is what makes us lost. So I could use the term sinner there. The bottom line, though, is that God offers rescue to the broken to the lost, to the sinner. Another word I could use there, dead, dead. God offers rescue to those who are dead. Now, if you're here and you're, 
you're, you're like, I, I'm visiting here, and I don't know. What's he talking about rescuing the dead? That's a weird kind of thing. Okay, just hold on, hold on. We'll, I'll try to, I'll, we'll come back to that in a second, okay? But in Luke chapter 15, what Jesus did is he was telling a story uh, to answer kind of the grumbling of some church people. In Luke chapter 15, if you look at verse 1, uh, it says, Then uh, all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear what he had to say. Verse 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, let me... All right, just hold on. Here's the deal about the church. And this is free. This doesn't have anything to do with rescue yet, okay? But here's, here's the deal about the church. We have a bunch of religious people who sit in their self-sanctified, self-righteous idea of what church should be like. It should be a gathering of people just like me, who smell like me and look like me, people who got it all together and don't have any problems whatsoever, people who are uh, covered in their own religious righteousness and and their uh, self-proclaimed holiness, and we sit around and we pat each other on the back because we look good and we smell good and we act good, and we say that's what church is. When in reality, that's not what church is at all. See, church doesn't have anything to do with how good you think you are or how good I think I am. See, church is a gathering of people who are broken and who have been sinners and who have been lost, and yet God in His great grace has rescued us and He's bound our wounds and He's made us whole and he's brought us together so that we can limp along together as a family that he has created uh, uh, with righteousness that he has given us and we can welcome people who are just as broken and messed up as we once were. And if you think church is for just good people, then you have the wrong idea of who God is and you have the wrong idea of the mission of Jesus Christ and things need to change in your heart. Okay, that was free. That was free. I, I just had to print. That's a whole sermon, verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15. Anyway, so, uh, uh, so Jesus answers their question. He says, okay, so you think that, uh, that, that, I, as a, that Jesus as a holy person shouldn't be welcoming sinners. And Jesus told three stories. The first story was about a lost, uh, uh, lost uh, sheep. The second story was about a lost coin. And the third story we're going to look at today is the story of a son that goes, well, he gets in his kayak and he leaves the shore and he goes way off into la-la land. But really, the story of the son is the story of us. And the story of the father in in the story, the father in the story is the story about God. And it teaches us everything that we need to know about rescue. So let's read verses 11 through 24, and, uh, uh, and then we'll, we'll try to break this apart a little bit, okay? Uh, Luke chapter 15, beginning verse 11, and Jesus said, now he's answering the question, uh, this man, can you hear the religious people, this man welcomes sinners. He even eats with them. Who does he think he is? Puke. So, verse 11 I say puke in a very sanctified pastoral kind of way. All right, verse 11, and Jesus said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of the sons said to his father, dad, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So the dad divided 
uh, to his two sons his livelihood. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all his stuff together and he went on a journey to a far country and there he wasted his possessions uh, with uh, the Vegas lifestyle. It says something different, but that's what it means. It's, uh, you know, he went, he, 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 he went wild and crazy. He was on his own reality show. Verse 14. Uh, but when he spent all that he had, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and, sent, uh, and, and the citizen of that country sent the son into his fields to feed pigs. Verse 16, and the son would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17, key verse. But when he came to himself, he said, other translations say, but when he came to his senses, the son said to himself, self, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to to, to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise, I'll go to my dad, and I'll say to him, Dad, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And the son arose, and he came to his father. But when the son was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, ran and fell on his neck, and he kissed him. And the son said to his dad, Dad, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupted him uh, and said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this, get this, Verse 24, for this my son was dead and is alive again. This my son was lost and now he's found. And they began to party. Now, as we look at this story, we need to understand that it unveils the heart of God to give rescue to the broken. And that is what Scripture is all about. If you wanted to summarize what we believe about, about rescue, it is John 3.16. Y'all, y'all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Yeah, that's what we believe. That God in his great love wants to rescue the broken. But why are we broken? And that's what we have to get at. Um, My prayer all week has been that you and I would see our need for rescue. That's been my prayer. In order to see our need for rescue, we need to understand what what happened to us to begin with. And, And that goes back to God's design. It's the son, the two sons and the father living in the same house. It's it's um, it's this this idea that God has designed us to be at home with him. God has designed you and me to be at home with him. Y'all know what at home means. At home is, is where, uh, where you go and, and, and you find rest. It's, it's where you enjoy uh, the company of family. It's, it's where you are secure, where you are, uh, found, find strength, where you have hope. It's, it's, it's everything that you want. That's home. It's everything that my house wasn't this weekend. 
Oh, there are a bunch of ladies right over here. Like, I don't know how many of them. They're like 72. All of them came home from Liberty University and they have spent the weekend at my house. And they have, no, I'm just kidding. They have, they're great. They're marvelous. They've been spectacular. Thank you all for allowing me to spend time with you. Was that pretty good? They're leaving today. No, they've been great. It's been awesome. And it's been Edie's privilege. It's been awesome to have them here. And, and, and you know, it, you don't know my wife. Maybe, maybe you do. But my wife loves to make home for people. She, she loves, she, she does, doesn't she? Oh, she has cooked and cooked and cooked. And I'm going to have to take up an offering to pay for all the groceries. No, she has cooked. She's had a great time. She's, she's made home for these young ladies who've been away at school and ha- had to eat cafeteria food. My wife has made roast, and she's made gumbo, and she's made some other stuff. <laughs> I've forgotten. They would, they've come in, and, and, and really, it was home. It, it was home for all of us because they came in, and, and we opened, and, and, and it was a time for us to just sit and, and meet. Well, I, I didn't really have much to do with it. I went up to my room and hid. But, but they came in, and, 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 and last night I walked in, and there was a circle. They had moved all my furniture that I'm going to have to move back. And they, they moved all my furniture, but they made a circle, and they were... They were talking and laughing. And when I went to bed, I could hear them laughing. And I texted my daughter and said, tell him to stop laughing. I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm just kidding. No, that's really true. Uh, hey, it was home. I, it's, it, there's nothing about my house except for my wife that is, that is attractive. It, it, but it, it, it's, it's what my wife does with our house. She makes it a place to find rest a place to, to find friendship. She, she makes it a place to be at home. And because of that, I, I get that every single day. It's, it's where I go to rest, to be nourished emotionally and spiritually and physically. It's where I go and and I'm kind of satisfied. From the very beginning of time, God created us to be at home with him. And uh, he created us, designed us in such a way that we really cannot be fully at home anywhere else. There is a, a desire, a yearning in every human heart to be at home with God. Genesis 1.27 describes it this way. He said that God made man in his own image, and male and female, he created them in his own image and likeness. What does it mean to be created in the image of God? Simply put, God created us so that we are only fully alive when we are at home with him. We are only fully satisfied when we live in fellowship and friendship with God. 
Now, that's how we were designed. That's the picture of the father and the two sons in the home. God designed it perfectly. Everything was working just great. Until the son decides that he wants to do it his own way. The father, God, has designed us to be fully satisfied in in family fellowship with him. But here's the problem. It's not that God has left us, it's that we have left God. Here's the problem. Like the son in the story, we decided that we wanted to try life without God. So we packed our kayak and we drifted and, and, and launched from the, from the ocean front. And we began to paddle and paddle and paddle and paddle, having a great time on the open seas. We were doing life our way. See, God designed us to be fully satisfied only in fellowship with himself. But he also designed us with choice, the power to choose. And can I tell you, and and maybe you don't believe this or know this or recognize this, but the Bible tells us very clearly that every person here has chosen life separated from God. Oh, we want, we, we want sometimes that the best of us, we want to try to connect with God. We want to be able to say that we're spiritual people and we have some sort, of, some sort of connection with God. But the truth is, because we've chosen to live life our way rather than God's way, because we've chosen this thing called sin, we've separated ourselves from God. We've left home. And we can't find our way back. And like the son in the story, he he gets all the stuff that he can get and he leaves. And he goes and he spends all his money, all his possessions, all of his life trying trying to chase after something that really he had at home with his dad. And here we are today and we're chasing. I mean, we've chased it. We've chased life apart from God. We've chased life our way, not God's way. We've paddled and pushed and paddled and paddled and paddled until we can't paddle anymore. All to do it our way. Thinking that's going to give us what we want, what we need. But in reality, the more we paddle and the more we try, we're just pushing ourselves further away from what God has designed us to be. Our sin, your sin, my sin, has separated us from God. And we cannot be satisfied when we are separated from God. It won't. Like the son in the story, there came a point where he had lost everything. And, and, and when he finally, verse 17, he came to his senses. He came to himself. Beautiful picture. But look at where he had to be before he came to himself. Here is a man who had some money, had some coin and some cash, who spent it all, and it took him being face down in a pig pen with the stench of the pigs up his nostrils. And if you've ever been around a pig pen, you know that is bad. 
But not only that, but here he is face down in a pig pen with pig slop in his mouth. And it wasn't until he tasted the bitterness of the pig slop and smelled the stench of the pig pen that he realized, maybe I'm in trouble. And my prayer for all of us this week is that we would, all of us, come to the point where we would say, maybe I'm in trouble. Maybe I'm in trouble. As I'm uh, sinking and my, my kayak is, is going underwater and I'm, I'm, I paddled and paddled and I pushed and I pushed and I'm out there and the kayak is now gone and, and I am drowning, maybe, maybe just maybe I'm in trouble. And we are in trouble, all of us are, we're drowning in our sin. And that, that's the second thing we know about rescue, not only... Not only does, does God, uh, has God designed us to be at home with himself, but, but our problem is that we're drowning in our sin. We're in trouble. You're in trouble. I'm in trouble. This sin thing, maybe, maybe you might say, well, you know, what's the big deal about sin? Well, sin, not only does it separate us from God, but it's killed us. I mean, it has robbed us of life. It has, it has erased life from us. Sin is not some minor little infraction. Sin is a killer. And it's killed us already. Sin has killed us inside. We're dead. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Listen to what God's Word says. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who now works among the sons of disobedience, uh, among whom you also once conducted yourself in the lust of the flesh and of the mind, and you were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Dead. You know why we're dead? And I told you I'd come back here. and, and it, Sin has killed me inside. Yeah, it's killed you. You know why? Because it has removed you from the giver of life. It has separated you from God himself. Now, you might be living and breathing, but inside you are dead and incomplete. And, and because we're dead, we don't have much hope. You're drowning in your sin. And you look at yourself today and you might think, well, well, this is just my life. This is the way it has to be. Wrong. It doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to live in hopelessness and despair. We are not consigned to drown in our sin. God sends Jesus to rescue us. God sends Jesus to rescue us. This is where the narrator of the story invades the story. See, Jesus is telling the story about the Son and about the Father. 
He's telling the story about you and about me. And about how we're dead in our sin. We're drowning in our sin. We're separated from God. Jesus is telling our story, but, but he invades our story. See, Jesus is not just some good person that lived a bunch of years ago. He's not merely a moral teacher teaching good stuff in the context of his culture. He's not merely uh, uh, an inspirational, motivational uh, speaker. Jesus probably wouldn't have been asked to do any TED Talks. Jesus probably would not be the guru that a bunch of people follow on Twitter. He, he, he probably would not make that kind of impact in today's cultural, uh, 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 social media saturated world. I mean, uh, he probably wouldn't make TMZ. But... That wasn't what he was trying to do anyway. See, Jesus, Jesus is and always has been God. He is God who became a man, who slipped his deity in the skin and the sandals of humanity, who lived his life here on this earth, displaying who God is with his words and his deeds and his actions, who lived sinlessly so that he might become, in his perfect righteousness, the perfect sacrifice to pay for my sin, to pay for the sin of Eric Thomas. God left heaven, lived his life, died on a cross for me, in my place, so that I could be rescued, so that I could be forgiven. God looked down the corridor of time and he saw Eric Thomas and he said to Jesus, son, it's time to go rescue Eric. And so he sent Jesus out of heaven's throne into a manger in Bethlehem all the way to a cruel cross on, uh, in Jerusalem, on the outskirts of Jerusalem where Jesus died. And as Jesus breathed his last, I, Eric Thomas, was on his heart because Jesus died for me. And he rescued me. That's the offer. Look, you're here today. You're here today. And here's the thing. Jesus died on a cross for sinners. And if you come to yourself and you see that you're drowning in your sin. And you cry out to him. Having your heart awakened to your need for God's grace and rescue. And you cry out to Jesus for his love and his life to cover you. For his sacrifice on the cross to be payment for you. Then you can be rescued. It's an offer that's open to all. But not all open the offer and receive it. Oh friends, listen. Some of you here and you don't buy a word I've just said. I I get it. I do. You think that you are fine, no worries, no problems. I understand. I really do. But my prayer all week has been that God, by his grace, would somehow open your eyes to see that the life, the trajectory that you're on is one of judgment and not forgiveness. 
if you just look at your own life and see the Gordian knot of the mess that you've made and how messed up your world is, your world, not not the big picture world, your world, your personal existence. And you have tried everything, everything to untangle the mess and make it right, and it's not working. I'm telling you today, it will never work. For there is only one rescuer, and his name is Jesus. There's only one way, only one way to be rescued. You can try to concoct all kinds of different rescues for yourself, and, and you can try to use your paddle more, or you can try to, try to row your boat to shore, you can try to uh, swim your way there, but the bottom line is you will never be at home with God, and you will never have life until you take the life preserver and you embrace him. Until you take Jesus and you allow his goodness and his perfection and his majesty and his sacrifice and his forgiveness to cover you, you will never be alive. Just be dead on the inside. The son came to himself, and he said to himself, Self, it would be better for me to be a servant in my daddy's home than to do what I'm doing right now. I just need to be at home with my father. And he got up, and he went to his dad. And he said to his dad, Dad, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. Will you welcome me back? And even before he could get the words out, the father, arms open, heart ready, welcomes his son. And he says, my son was dead, but now he lives. My son was lost. He's been found. Let's party. Now, here's what God does today. He's offered you the only life preserver there is. The only hope for your rescue. God's offered you Jesus to bring you to be at home with him. So that you can fulfill your design and experience life as he has created it. The choice is still yours. You can just keep doing what you're doing. Keep trying what you're trying. You can continue to flail and fight and drown. Or you can be forgiven forever for your sin. By repenting, repenting is what the son did when he got up and he went home. He he said, I'm not doing it this way anymore. There's only one way that is going to lead to life, and that is for me to go back to my dad's home. Repentance for you looks very similar. It's 
I'm going to stop trying to do it the way I've been doing it. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on a cross for my sin, that, that his, his resurrection from the dead gives me victory in this life and in eternity. And I'm going to trust myself into the care of Christ. I'm just going to rest in God's grace. Today, maybe that's what you need to do. Every hour, somebody's needed to be rescued. And God has provided. And you're here today, and God's opened your eyes. By His grace, He's he's opened your eyes to see. I'm drowning, and I need to be rescued. The question is, will you Allow Christ to take you home right now to be with God.